Hello, and welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we perform live exorcisms, and donations are appreciated. Yes, please. You can just send those right over to us. We'll give you all of our Venmo information. Mm-hmm. We're just kidding. But, I mean, if you're looking for something to do with your money. Yeah. We'll totally use it for the podcast. Of course. Anyways, so if you have time, go ahead and check out our TikTok and our Instagram. And yes. Feel free to email us, what if I told you podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And really, at this point, if you're not following us on Instagram, I just don't really know what kind of person you really are. Yeah, you're consuming our episodes, which we love and appreciate from you. But we would also love and appreciate if you would just give us an Instagram follow. Yeah, it's really not that deep. It's very easy. Very easy. Super convenient. And we'd love it. We would really love it. Hella. No breakfast nook this morning because I, well, I wasn't late. I just had to reschedule by an hour because I woke up feeling super hungover, even though I am not. We all know what you did. I was just like, cool. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this is what we're doing today. <laughs> What's super crazy is like, There are times whenever Dakota and I will have plans with, like, friends or whatever, and we go and get home late, and I never drink because I drive us home. Yeah. And, like, he has offered to be the DD for whatever, and it would just be wasted on me because I would have one, maybe two drinks. Yeah. And then eat an entire meal, and I would still be fine to drive home. And I'm like... He's much more of, like, a drinker. He likes all the beers. He's not really a liquor drinker at all, but, you know, him and his friends, they do dude shit and drink beer and whatever. Need someone to drive them home. Yeah. So, I'm just by default the DD, because... Sometimes it's like that. It's just like that. And I'm not really a drinker, so... I'm not either. But what is shitty is... We will go out, we'll get home late, like two, three, whatever, and the next day I feel fully hungover. Yeah, well, I mean, yesterday I did have, like, a tall Bloody Mary at my mom's house for breakfast. Like, right at 8 a.m., I walked in, my brother was like, you want a Bloody Mary or a mimosa? And I was like, obviously a Bloody Mary. Mm, I would have gone with the latter. It was a proper Bloody Mary. See, I like tomato juice. Yeah, I don't. So, I mean, it had the celery, it had a green onion, it had a pickle. It was, like, all the things, the Tabasco, the fucking seasonings. It was delicious, but that's probably why I have a headache, because, I mean, vodka mm-hmm. at 8 a.m. Yeah. But, anyways, yeah. so I guess our breakfast nook today could be the bomb-ass breakfast casserole I ate yesterday morning. It was delicious. Did your brother make it or did your mom? Mom did, but um, I do have a piece left over at home. Like, he handed me leftover breakfast casserole, and he was like, you know, just put your salsa on that or whatever when you get home. 
And I was like, I don't think I have any. And so he handed me like a brand new bottle of Tabasco sauce. I was like, this is fucking great. Yeah. So. We had a really amazing dinner. I've discovered that the proper place in Lee Summit to buy seafood is Sprouts. Okay. I've always been a high V person. They always have a really good like uh, butcher counter and a good seafood counter. Yeah. But I... We went to Hy-Vee for that purpose. We wanted to have seafood last night, and they didn't have any mussels, didn't have any clams, hmm. no crab, and I was like, what the fuck? That's weird. So we got a pound of shrimp, and the sprouts is really just kind of adjacent to the Hy-Vee. Yeah. So we went over to sprouts, <laughs> and their shrimp that was the same size as the shrimp we got from Hy-Vee was... Like five dollars cheaper per pound. Wow. They we got two lobster tails. It their lobster tails were a dollar cheaper per tail than high V. Damn. And we got three clusters of gen- Dungeness crab. Obviously, high V didn't have any crab, so I can't compare price. But it was really it was eight ninety nine a pound for the Dungeness crab. That's not bad. Not bad at all. And they didn't have mussels or clams, so there must be like. Some sort of shipping issue or I don't know. Because it's really rare for Hy-Vee to not have mussels. Yeah. They almost always do. I've never bought or prepared seafood, so I have no idea. Yeah, we do we do seafood a lot. I'm slacking. But it was so good. I, like, made a pot of, well, liquid, obviously. But it was white wine. So I melted butter, a whole stick of butter, with garlic, some minced, some whole clove, melted the butter down, cooked the garlic, then a cup of white wine, and then five cups of chicken stock. Mm-hmm. And then like parsley and bay leaves, and boiled the Dungeness crab and the shrimp in that. That sounds and then so good. broiled the lobster tails. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I'm so hungry. (laughs) It was so good. I was so excited about it. And it's so much cheaper to just buy seafood and make it yourself. Yeah. Because if we would have went out and gotten lobster tails, a pound of shrimp, and three clusters of crab legs, it would have been $100 easily. Yeah. $150. Yeah. Easily, but we made all of it for less than 50. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah. So if you live in the area, go to Sprouts for your seafood. I always forget about Sprouts. I've never been there. It's, I love it in there. Now, if you're going to get, like, prepared food, like, in the aisles, boxed food, it is a lot more expensive, mm-hmm. but the meat counter is cheaper and it's all organic. Hmm. So, and like their baked goods are really good and they're not crazy expensive. And I think their produce is pretty reasonably priced as well. It's just like when you go into the aisles and you're looking at like pancake mix, mac and cheese, chips, all of that organic. Oh, yeah. Uh, prepackaged food it's wildly expensive yeah i just don't have i don't have the pa- the patience to shop at 
different places yeah for grocery shopping i just don't have the patience i don't have the time and yeah. so i have to i have to just get it all at one place yeah i can't do that shit yeah which is why i don't shop at aldi anymore because there are things at aldi that i just don't want mm-hmm. you know first world problems i know that for real being shopping for just me with dakota being gone fairly regular it is a lot easier. I don't I don't mind going to multiple stores, but I don't grocery shop really at all anymore because it's just me. Cooking for one yeah. person is ridiculous. Yeah. So, I don't know. Whatever. I do meal prep, so I have to make sure I have at least 5 days worth of chicken and vegetables and yeah, eggs. That's all I need. And that's pretty easy. Yeah, pretty easy and cheap. Right. So, anyway, so I put a blurb in here for us to talk a little bit about some true crime news that everyone on the earth has been hearing about in the last few weeks. And that is the Gabby Petito case. Now, we're not talking about the case and the particulars. Because we don't really have to. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's on every media station. It's on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. When I open my homepage at work, there are at least three articles by different sources covering this case, following the Brian Laundry, whatever. It's fucking everywhere. Yeah. And... I read an article, one, one article by, now I can't remember her name. She, she started this website and she wrote this article because she's like, we are hearing nonstop about this missing person. And yet how many people go missing every single day that we never hear about? Yeah, they they all need to be talked about. And how often do non-white people go missing and they're never reported on on ever? All they the time. never get a story written up about them in a newspaper, no media article articles, no news stations, nothing. They mm-hmm. get zero coverage. Indigenous women, black women, none of them get any spotlight on their cases. Yeah get the word out that they're missing ever yeah and yet we've been hearing for three weeks about gabby petito right and while it's just as tragic as any other missing person and it needs to be talked about it's just hard to understand why the media and law enforcement and just the population make it seem so much more important than other missing people. Right. It's it's really, really frustrating. And um, I think for all the people that are obsessing over her case and posting about it all over their social media and making their fucking TikToks about it, that's great. But maybe you should also take that inspiration you have to do what you can to spread the word about Gabby 
and make sure people have the facts and all that kind of stuff. Spend some of your time researching other missing people Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like someone who is sincerely interested in getting stories out of women and men that have gone missing should be taking the time to do that as well. Right. Exactly. And there's a website that I found through the article I read. I should have saved the fucking article. I can't believe I didn't. Um, It's called Black and Missing. And the website is all spelled out, blackandmissinginc.com. And this is all about people of color who have gone missing. And you can search by location, too. You can look up exactly the the people who are missing in your area. Yeah. Or in a certain area. So we'll put a link for the Black and Missing website in our sources for this episode. Um, So I, when I use the search tool, I just selected female and then Missouri so that we could see missing people in our area or close to us. And they have missing people that have been missing for a long time, like Kimberly Carter. She's been missing from Kansas City since July 5th of 1984. So you can pull up the missing poster and look at the details. They tell you where they were last seen, the circumstances of their disappearance, what they were wearing when they disappeared, if they have any identifying characteristics like a tattoo or face piercing. They give you every piece of information that they have about the person that has gone missing. Yeah. So you can go to the website, look at these posters. You can report someone missing. Mm -hmm. You can make a donation to the foundation. So... It is a nonprofit. It is registered as a 501c3 organization. So they're doing great work over here. And if we're going to talk incessantly about Gabby Petito, let's also talk incessantly about missing black women, missing indigenous women, because they're the majority of people who go missing in this country. Yeah. We just don't talk about it. Yeah. You just don't hear about it. And it's, it's no one's fault. Like, it's not our fault that a lot of the times we just don't know yeah, about it. Yeah. Because no one talks about it. It's the media's fault for not shining a light on everyone who's missing and instead focusing on one type of missing person. And that is the blonde white girl, typically. Yeah. Yeah. If the Gabby Petito case is like the case that suddenly sparked your interest in getting into missing people, just like expand that and yeah. start and start finding shit and sharing shit on your own. Right. Because there's not one person that is more important than all of the other people. Exactly. And just for a little frame of reference on the numbers of missing people in the area of Wyoming that Gabby went missing and was later discovered, her remains were discovered. Um, In 10 years, 710 indigenous women have gone missing in that area. Yeah. 710 women, indigenous women, have gone missing in that same exact area. And we've heard about zero of those women. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, let's keep everything in perspective and 
maybe if we as a community can start shining a light on the non-white people who go missing, the media will follow us. Yeah. And not just, yeah, and, and we're not saying that there's not a single person that goes missing that shouldn't be talked about. We just need everyone to expand their horizon on that. Yeah. I mean, we've we've covered missing person cases on girls who are white. Yeah, but- I just don't, people just don't think about it. They just simply do not realize because it is, unless you are searching for it, you, you can't find it. You'd have to make a concerted effort to search for those cases. Like, we covered the case of Unique Harris, mm-hmm. who was a missing black woman from the Washington, D.C. area. And I I had to actively search for a case of a missing black woman in order for us to be able to cover it. Yeah. And there was scant amount of information about who she was as a person and what has gone on with her case. Right. So, obviously, you can go back and listen to that episode. I think it's a really great episode. Mm -hmm. And you can look up information on her case. It's actually still pending. There's a suspect who's got charges, whatever. But her body is still missing. So, she is still missing. Right. We've covered the women of Juarez. We've covered the Chicago 51. And we've covered uh, Alina Assam Thunderbird. She was an indigenous woman from Canada. And we're going to make continue to make that effort to cover cases of people who aren't getting media attention. Yeah. But we also need podcasts who have a much larger platform than we do to do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's like whenever we covered Gabriel Fernandez. Mm-hmm. We, we, it's almost, it's been, what, like, 10 months since we released those two episodes on him. I've still not had any of the major podcasts cover that episode. Yeah. Or cover that case. It probably won't be done. It will, it probably will never be done. And those major true crime podcasts will probably never hear us call them out, even though we have multiple times. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. It is. It's so ridiculous. Anyway, that was our soapbox for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you. (laughs) So we're on week five of spook season. Yeah. And this one is different. We've never done anything like this. Nope. We are going to tell you the story of the exorcism of Roland Doe. Yeah, we are. I love shit like this. So... You might not know the story just based on the name Roland Doe, but you likely do know the novel and the subsequent film that are based on the story, which is The Exorcist. Yes. The Exorcist is largely regarded as the best horror film ever made. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. I haven't seen it since I was very young. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. I wanted to watch it last night. But then I fell asleep and didn't watch anything. So, you know, I find myself a lot of the time re-watching things I've already seen. Like last night, I watched Devil all the time. I was sort of in a spooky mood, but not like full horror movie yeah. mood. So you're in like a suspense mood. Yes. Like, yeah. a, like a fucked up suspense mood. Right. But yeah, we're excited for this one. It's going to be shorter than others, which is fine. Last week, we hit you with something pretty great and Mm -hmm. long. Yeah. So, 
What exactly happened to Roland Doe? Well, in the late 1940s, there were several priests of the Roman Catholic Church who performed a series of exorcisms, plural, on an unnamed boy who they gave the pseudonym Roland Doe. So his actual name is never released. Right. But they also sometimes referred to him as Robbie Mannheim. Not really sure where that has come in. But I've also seen like some of the articles that I researched for this episode also referred to him as Rob Mannheim or Rob Doe. So I don't know. This is weird. All of these priests are likely calling him something different. But the the name that is searchable is Roland Doe. He was 14 years old, and so that would put him born around the year 1935 uh, and was allegedly the victim of demon possession. Whoa. So the events of the possession and attempted exorcism uh, were recorded by the priest who was in charge of the whatever... Yeah. Exorcisms, treatment, I don't know. The appointment. The appointment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have my exorcism appointment at three. Um, his name was Raymond J. Bishop. Cool. And there are a number of supernatural occurrences that are alleged to have happened during these exorcisms. And it is those incidents that inspired William Peter Blatty that last name, I can't, to write The Exorcist, which was published in 1971, and then, of course, adapted to the film The Exorcist a few years after that. I think 1974 is when The Exorcist came out. Yeah, it's one of those, it's it's really good, but it's almost kind of hard to watch. Yeah. yeah, it's iconic for a reason. Right. But the crab walk, that's what, the projectile vomit, And the crab walk is what everyone associates with that film. Absolutely. I want to know who came up with the crab walk. Which part of the filmmaker process someone came forward and just said, you know what? I think we're going to have her crab walk. We used to do that in PE in school. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I don't know. I think it like really works out your core more than you know. Because you're, like, holding your torso in place. Yeah. I don't know. Just. It was awkward. Just plank for your core. That's don't, true. Don't I don't think planking walk. was a thing then. That's that's true. It probably wasn't. No one had discovered it yet. No one knew the essence of the plank. But they knew the essence of the crab walk because of the exorcist. That's right. <laughs> that all of these PE teachers were like, you know what? She's got a great core. Right. Let's have our students do this. Yeah. How can we put this into the curriculum. That's right. That's exactly how that happened. Okay. So like we said earlier, Roland's identity was never released. Presumably the priest conducting the exorcism knew him and his family. And I mean, he was 14, 15. So there was really no need to release his identity. No, he was a minor that, you know. Yeah. And even though in that time period, It seems as though exorcisms were not, like, taboo, but they still kind of were. And I think um, 
these were kind of conducted in a pseudo-medical mindset. Yes. So we did, they were in a hospital at some points of the events. So, of course, this is by no means a medical procedure. Right. But I think they approached it as such. Right. So you you have to keep a minor's identity private in regards to medical That is true. Shit, so. Yeah. so basically, anything regarding Roland's actual life, all the information is just pretty generic. Right. He was born into a German Lutheran family, and they lived in Cottage City, Maryland, um, during the 40s when all of this was happening. And according to Thomas B. Allen, who was author of The True Story of an Exorcism, Roland was an only child, and that meant that the adults around him were like his playmates. He didn't have anyone his age to chill with, I guess. Right. I don't know. Were there not any kids in his neighborhood? or? I don't know. Weird. It's hard to say. He was apparently close with his aunt, um, who was named Harriet, and she was allegedly a spiritualist, and... This is this is a big no no. Mm. Introduce Roland to a Ouija board, and he was like, "This is fucking cool." Yeah, he was into it. I guess that is just not something you fuck with. I have actually never even seen a Ouija board in person. I have fucked with a Ouija board many times as a kid with my friends. That was just never something that came up. And uh, my sisters. I will say that when it comes to things like Ouija boards and spirits wildly skeptical as I've I've never in my life had any sort of supernatural encounter or experience ever. So I am wildly skeptical when people tell me story. Like, I'm just like, but did it really though? Yeah, I feel that. Skeptical. But I fully believe in aliens. I don't know how those two compute, but this is what's happening in my brain. I mean... If you haven't experienced something, it is very difficult to believe it. I mean, I haven't experienced aliens, but I 100% believe that they exist. I believe the people who talk about experiences with aliens. <laughs> like, uh, Bob Lazar. That's true. I believe that guy. He seems very oh, sincere. Yeah. I want to watch that again. It's so good. Anyways. Anyway. So, yeah, that's pretty much all the info we have on who Roland was as a person. We feel like the piece on the Ouija board seems a bit on the nose, but right. I don't know. This is it's just weird. Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> the whole thing about them, because there's no reference to a Ouija board again, ever. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of like, did they put it in there because... It just makes it more spooky, like he was playing with the spirits. Well, Ouija boards are supposed to, like, be something that opens, like, a portal, like mm -hmm. a door. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's probably why. Yes. Uh, yes. So. The the whole lore around the Ouija board, I feel like, is why it, this little tidbit is in there. Even yeah. though. It was unnecessary. It was unnecessary. Yeah. For it to be in there. It just makes it seem much more. Right. Like spooky. Yeah. He was playing with a Ouija board. Yeah. It's like foreshadowing almost. Foreshadowing. For and, sure. And all the people involved in this are highly, highly religious. Oh, yeah. So they're like, 
that's what the evil Satan, Satan, you the have devil, sinned. you have sinned. That's now yeah. you fucked up. You fucked up, yo. This is what you get. This is what you get for playing with Satan. <laughs> oh my god, that's gr- ridiculous. Okay, so the origin of the claims of what happened to our good friend Roland Doe. Around mid-1949, several newspaper articles were published with anonymous reports of an alleged possession and exorcism. So the source for these reports is thought to be the family's former pastor, Luther Miles Schulz. According to one account, a total of, quote, 48 people witnessed this exorcism, nine of them Jesuits. That's like a a religious sect. Jesuits, I think is how it's pronounced. I don't know. But they're a religious sect. They're very radical. They sound radical. Yeah. So according to author Thomas B. Allen, Jesuit priest Father Walter H. Halloran was one of the last surviving eyewitnesses of the events. And he also participated in the exorcism. Allen wrote that a diary kept by the attending priest, Father Raymond Bishop, detailed the exorcism performed on Roland Doe or Robbie. I don't like Robbie. So Bishop kept a diary of what happened, basically. And speaking to Allen in 2013, emphasized that definitive proof that the boy known as Robbie was possessed by a malevolent spirit is unattainable. Basically, he's saying, we don't know. Yeah. We can't can't believe this shit. We can't say that he was possessed. (laughs) According to Alan, Father Halloran also expressed his skepticism about potential paranormal events before he passed away. So we've got both Father Halloran and Father Bishop, like, yo, skeptical. Yeah, we just don't know. We don't know what's happening. When asked in an interview to make a statement verifying that the boy had actually been demonically possessed, Halloran responded by saying, quote, No, I can't go on record. I never made an absolute statement about the things because I didn't feel I was qualified. End quote. I mean, fair enough. I mean, fair. You know. I'm down for people who are like... (laughs) No, I don't know. Yeah. So now, the part you've all been waiting for. The true tea. The possession and exorcisms. Apparently, when you're possessed by a demon, like, you can't just be exorcised once. I feel like it's a whole fucking, a whole fucking thing. It's a whole production. Yeah. Like, it takes a fortnight. (laughs) It takes a fortnight, for (laughs) sure. And it takes... A lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. How are these people surviving these things? When are they drinking and eating? They have been blessed by the blood of Jesus. That is very true. (laughs) I guess their skin is absorbing enough holy water to stay hydrated, probably. That's right. They're they're bathing in it, and it's feeding them. Yeah. So. Feeding them. Creating a shield around them. Right. Yeah. This makes sense. So, according to Thomas B. Allen, after the death of Roland's Aunt Harriet, the family started hearing strange noises. 
Okay. We've got a classic haunting. So apparently the furniture was moving on its own and objects like vases and shit were flying off shelves or would levitate when Roland was near them. Whoa. The family turned to their Lutheran pastor, Luther Miles Schulz. How funny is that that Luther is a Lutheran? He probably felt like he had to be Lutheran at that point. He was certainly obligated. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm a little interested in Jesus Christ. This one literally has my name on it. Yeah, this was meant for me. (laughs) Uh, So they turned to him for help. And he was like super interested in parapsychology. So he arranged for the boy to spend a night in his own home to observe him. Whoa. Whoa. That's a leap. And I think it's and a little uncomfy. It's a, it's just a little uncomfortable that a pastor is having a young boy spend the night in his house. Yeah. We all know. We don't have to say it. That's right. We all know. <sighs> so when parapsychologist J.B. Rhine, what does parapsychologist mean? I would um, like to look this up. I think they're just like psychologists who study the paranormal activity and stuff. That seems... Psychologist. You could have just clicked the link. Did I see a link? She's linked. Oh. I see it now. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, a parapsychologist is someone who studies alleged psychic phenomena. So, all the shit you can think of. But... Not like ghosts and shit, like telepathy, telekinesis. I'm interested in telekinesis. I mean, same. I'm interested in having telekinesis. Of course. I don't really care to study it. I just want it. Yeah. So when parapsychologist J.B. Rhine learned that Schultz claimed he witnessed household objects and furniture seemingly moving by themselves... Ryan wondered if Schultz unconsciously exaggerated some of the facts. I can see where he would feel that way. Fair. So Schultz then advised the boy's parents to see a Catholic priest. Here we fucking go. So I'm guessing Luther is just out of the picture at this point. Yeah, he's in over his head here. Yeah, he invited the boy to his house. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. According to the traditional story, the boy then underwent a number of exorcisms. Edward Hughes, who was a Roman Catholic priest, conducted an exorcism on Roland at Georgetown University Hospital, which was a Jesuit institution. And during the exorcism, Roland allegedly slipped one of his hands out of the restraints, broke a bedspring off from under the mattress, and used it as a fucking impromptu weapon. And he slashed the priest's arm, and this resulted in the exorcism ritual being halted i feel like that'd be real hard to do i agree because a box spring is it's got like shit shit over it it's not just springs that are out that you could just like hold on to he would have to plunge his hand (laughs) through the material and the fabric that encases the springs and pull it out that's crazy to me this seems exaggerated to me yeah Agreed. But, I mean, Satan can do anything. You're right. You know? So. You are right. We don't want to un- underestimate Satan. Yeah. Satan, if you're listening, um, 
We believe in you. We're, everything is fine here. Everything is cool. Okay, so the family then traveled to St. Louis, where Roland's cousin actually contacted one of his professors at St. Louis University. And Bishop spoke to William S. Bowdern, who was an associate of College Church. Seems still like a generic name. They could have done better. Yeah. And together, both priests visited Roland and his relatives' home, where they allegedly observed a shaking bed, flying objects, and the boy speaking in gutter in a guttural voice and exhibiting an aversion to anything sacred, sacred, however you want to say it. And Bowdern was granted permission from the archbishop to perform another exorcism. So we're on exorcism number two. I believe this is exorcism number two. Okay. I did not realize that priests had to seek permission from an archbishop to perform exorcisms. Seems legit. Seems legit. I'm just not familiar with the inner workings of the Catholic faith. I don't know if a lot of people are. Yeah. I, think I mean, he, as far as exorcisms go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to ask Sam at work because he's Catholic. He may know all about exorcisms. He might, might really know. You know, I don't know. He, he went to Catholic school. Yeah. So. That's um, cool. That's cool. He wore a uniform and everything. Mm-mm. I don't like that. Um, I actually wanted to i didn't want to go to catholic school but i wanted to go to private school in high school i would have hated wearing a uniform and i wanted to wear a uniform Mm, i would have hated every minute of that yeah i don't know some people just don't have a choice yeah i don't know if i like fully wanted the uniform but i i was like it's a a fair trade-off for me to go to private school i feel that you know and i was obviously a huge gilmore girls fan and you know i wanted to go to chilton well, duh. Specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this exorcism took place at the Alexian Brothers Hospital in South St. Louis, Missouri, which was changed to South City Hospital. Um, so we're this is like our backyard. Basically. Had no idea that Missouri was in the picture of this story at all until yeah. I wrote this. Before the next exorcism ritual began... Another priest, Walter Halloran. We've already encountered Walter Halloran, but he was making comments after the fact. Right. So this is when he first enters the picture. Yes. He was called to the psychiatric wing of the hospital where he was asked to assist Bowdern. And William Van Roo, love that. Mm-hmm. A third Jesuit priest was also there to assist. Every Everybody's involved here. Yeah. It's a party at this it, point. It's a party. You know what? Three's a party. You're right. Three priests is a party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to go to that party. Oh, shit. Halloran stated that during this scene, words such as evil and hell, along with other various marks, appeared on the teenager's bar- body. So I'm mm-hmm. picturing like bloody scratches same yeah allegedly during the litany of the saints portion of the exorcism ritual the boy's mattress began to shake but moreover um roland broke halloran's nose during the process so he was swinging he was he came out swinging halloran then told a reporter that after the rite was over the anonymous subject of the exorcism went on to lead a rather ordinary life Okay. So I'm guessing that is him implying that the exorcism was successful. The demon was rebuked. I enjoy the word rebuke, by the way. I like that too. Uh, The demon was rebuked 
and he went on to lead an ordinary life. But he later, Halloran is later one of the people who said he doubted the the boy was even possessed at all. So maybe that's weird. That's weird. Maybe he just, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to speculate on something like this because I don't have any frame of reference at all. Right. So. Whatever. Whatever. Halloran. Cool. Cool. So now we'll talk about the investigation and there's not like a real investigation here. So we've got some reporters who are looking at this story and calling some things into question. Yeah. So... In 1993, Thomas B. Allen published his book, Possessed, The True Story of an Exorcism. He offered uh, the consensus of today's experts. So basically, they're saying that Roland Doe was really just a deeply disturbed boy and that there was nothing actually supernatural occurring, which, I mean, fair. Yeah. Back in the 40s, the research and treatment of mental health issues was absolutely not really even a thing. Right. You were either put into a psych ward asylum situation, and those were horrifying places. Yeah, and then you died there. And you died there, or they thought that you were possessed. Those were, like, your two options. Yeah. So, honestly, he probably got the better end of the stick here by being possessed. That's true. (laughs) He didn't have to go to the asylum. So another author, Mark Opsonik, I'm going to go with that. Perfect. Opsonik. He questioned many of the supernatural claims associated with the story, proposing that Roland Doe was simply a spoiled, disturbed bully who threw deliberate tantrums to get attention or get out of school. Okay. Okay. Opsonik reports that Halloran, who was present at the exorcism, never heard the boy's voice change, and he thought that he was merely mimicking Latin words he had heard clergymen say, rather than gaining a sudden ability to speak Latin. So apparently he was speaking Latin. I don't know why Latin is associated with being possessed. I don't know. Maybe because it's like... (laughs) A dead language that people don't actually speak anymore? Yeah. Maybe. Satan speaks Latin, you guys. You know, the only thing that bothers me about this is they're all like saying like, oh, this boy was mentally ill or oh, he was just a brat. But like, what about these grown ass adults that were around him saying like, the word hell was on his body? Yeah. You're not helping this kid either way. Right. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So... Opsonik reported that when the marks were found on his body, Halloran failed to check whether Roland's fingernails contained evidence that he had actually made the marks himself. But didn't they say they saw them appear? Yes. They're saying this, not they, but this author, Opsonik, whatever the fuck his name is, is saying this. And basically, if what he thinks is true about Roland doing it to himself... That's a whole different story. Right. And I mean, honestly, to me, it doesn't really make that much of a difference if the words just appeared on his body or if he scratched them into his body himself. That is equally disturbing. Right. It's very disturbing either way. But I mean, this poor kid, if he is 
fucking mentally ill to the point where he's scratching words into his own flesh, it kind of pisses me off that all these priests are like, the word hell appeared in his skin before me. Yeah. Stop that. (laughs) Stop that. Yeah, I, 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 that's, it's ridiculous. All of it sounds ridiculous. Right. I don't think the Catholic Church does exorcisms anymore, by the way. I, I don't know that that's a thing. Chip, this is where you can weigh in here. Yes. Does the Catholic Church do exorcisms in 2021? Okay. I need to know. So, Opsonic is calling Halloran into question because Halloran did not check to see if Roland carved these words into his body himself with his own fingernails. Which, I mean... On one hand, I'm like, fair. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is disturbing either way. Yeah. It takes a lot of force to get your fingernail deep enough into your skin. To write a word. To write a word. Yes. That is, think about that. Yeah. Let alone one that's clear. Let alone, yeah. It just, all of it seems ridiculous to me. Poor Roland. Poor Roland. I mean... Yeah, we'll sake. talk we'll talk about our our opinions at the end, but poor Roland for sure. Opsonic also questioned the story of Hughes's attempts to exercise the boy and his subsequent injury. Um so Hughes is the one who talked about the box spring. Yes. So obviously that sounds completely ludicrous. It absolutely is. I feel like absolutely that was exaggerated. Um, Obstinic said he could find no evidence that such an episode had actually occurred. I mean, right, sure, you're, this guy's investigating it like 30 years later, so what evidence is going to linger about that? Yeah. You know? This is not a murder. This is not a murder. Yeah. (laughs) So obviously, he wouldn't find anything even if that had occurred, honestly. But... During his investigation, Opsonic discovered the following things. Number one, the exorcism. The original exorcism did not take place on Bunker Hill Road in Mount Rainier, Maryland. He never lived in Mount Rainier. He lived in Cottage City, Maryland. I think this is splitting hairs. Yeah. This <laughs> is not groundbreaking to me. This is No. This is not groundbreaking. I, none of the my other research ever said anything about Rainier, Mount Rainier, honestly. I just feel like this guy is trying to be cool. I, yeah, I think, let it go. I think this guy is trying to create some shit out of nothing. Like, does it feel good up there on your high horse? Yeah. Oh, they, they said Mount Rainier, but it was actually College City, Cottage City. Okay, great. Yeah. Just move on. Just because then he was moved to St. Louis and there's like all these different hospitals associated with this. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. No one cares. Shut up, Opsonic. What kind of last name is that? Right. Tell me your family's origins. Yeah. I need to know where this name is from. Um, So much of the commonly accepted information about the story is based on hearsay, not documented. It was never fact-checked. Of course it wasn't. It happened in the fucking 40s. Yeah. Nothing is fact-checked. No. I mean, we just talked about the Black Dahlia, and she was murdered in the 40s. Yeah. They didn't document most of that shit. Right. So, what do you expect from exorcisms? Weren't we, like, in the middle of the Prohibition at this point? Yes. Yeah. No. The Prohibition was the 30s. 
Okay. So but we're in the middle of World War, World War II. Yeah. So, I mean, people just had to go through the Prohibition, and now we're in World War II. Yeah. I mean, there are bigger fish to fry here. Yeah. We had the Depression. We had the Prohibition. We had World War II. What the fuck do you want people to do, Opsinic? No one cares, Mark. Leave yeah. them alone. Leave them alone. They've got... Bigger problems. Much bigger problems. And most of them are probably not even alive. And if they are, they don't give a fuck. They're old as shit now. They don't remember. They don't They don't remember. They're eating checkers. That's right. They're drooling a lot right now. <laughs> that was very ageist. I'm sorry. He also said that there was no evidence that Father E. Albert Hugh visited the boy's home, had admitted him to Georgetown Hospital, requested that he be restrained, attempted the exorcism, or was injured by the boy during an exorcism, or at any other time. Okay, great. Cool. Um, And that there is ample evidence refuting the claims that Father Hugh suffered an emotional breakdown and disappeared from Cottage City community after it. Okay. Okay. Cool. But he never said what evidence refutes this. It's because there is none. Yeah. Come on, Opsonic. You're just you're just trying to be crazy right now. Okay. So according to Opsonic, individuals connected with the incident were influenced by their own specializations. Well, way to point out the obvious, clearly they are influenced by their own specializations. They're just out there doing their job. Yes. These are priests. And so the psychiatrists who have commented on this case obviously say that Roland Doe suffered from mental illness. Obviously, their psychiatrists, that's they're going to be their take and honestly probably the accurate one. Right. But priests are, of course, going to say that this boy is possessed. Yeah. That's kind of their MO. Yes, it is. <laughs> Especially in the 40s. Yes, he's possessed by a demon. Um, to writers and film producers, this was a great story to exploit for profit. Duh. And those involved saw what they were trained to see, each purported to look at the facts, but just the opposite was true. In actuality, they manipulated the facts and emphasized information that fit their own agendas. I think this is how just the human experience works. Yeah. We all go into any given situation with biases that are built into our brains. Absolutely. Everyone has a bias of some sort based on their own experience, and they're going to perceive a series of events in a way that is different from someone else experiencing those own, those exact same events. Yes. This is the human condition. Agreed. That Opsonic is describing, and I don't think it's revolutionary. No. And I don't think it pl- really plays any part here. I just think he's wasting our time at this point. He's wasting our time entirely. And now we're wasting your time as he has wasted ours. Yeah. There's nothing There's nothing he has said that we don't already know. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking A. We have sat around in this in the pod pad, speculating exactly what he spent years researching and writing a book about. Yeah. And you want to call yourself an author. Great. We're authors, too. So another skeptic named Joe Nickel wrote that there was, quote, simply no credible evidence to suggest the boy was possessed by demons or evil spirits, end quote. And Nickel maintains that the symptoms of possession can also just be childishly simple to fake. 
So Nichols dismissed suggestions that supernatural forces made scratches or marks on his body in unreachable places. He has said, quote, a determined youth, probably even without a wall mirror, could easily have managed such a feat if it had actually occurred. Although the scratched messages proliferated, they never again appeared on a difficult-to-reach portion of the boy's anatomy, end quote. On one occasion, Roland was reportedly seen scratching the words hell and Christ on his chest using his own fingernails. That's still disturbing. I don't know why no one is commenting on the fact that doing that is disturbing. Yeah, I don't like it. I really don't like it. So, according to Nickel, nothing was reliably reported in the case uh, beyond the abilities of a teenager to produce. The tantrums, trances, moved furniture, hurled objects, the automatic writing, superficial scratches, and other phenomena were just the kind of things someone of Roland's age could accomplish, just as others have done before and since. Indeed, the elements of poltergeist phenomena, spirit communication, and demonic possession, taken both separately and together, suggest nothing so much as role-playing involving trickery. So Nichols basically saying that Roland was really just faking all of these things. Yeah. And was being tricksy. Okay. (laughs) It seems like a little far-fetched that carving into his own skin would be just trickery. Yeah. I mean, moving furniture and knocking things over. Okay, I could accept that. You're pretty dedicated at that point. Yes. You have you have really thrown yourself fully into this scheme yeah. if you are carving into your own skin. Yeah. Nickel also dismissed stories of the boy's prodigious strength, saying that Roland showed nothing more than what could be summoned by an agitated teenager. And he criticized popular accounts of the exorcism for what he termed as a stereotypical storybook portrayal of the devil. Okay. Cool. I mean, (laughs) I just think that these writers are going into this story with exactly what they're accusing everyone else of, and that's bias. Yeah, I just think they're taking it way too seriously. They really are. They really are. I just don't really care about anything they had to say. I agree. (laughs) I just really didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like they didn't contribute to the conversation. Not at at all. all. Not at all. (laughs) They said everything someone could think of on their own. Yeah. The only thing that they are contributing here is that we now get to make fun of them for saying it. Yeah. Fuck you, Mark. Yeah. What the hell, Mark? Who gave you any authority here? Don't like you. Yeah. Ugh. He's just being a real dick about it. Yeah, like just <laughs> just let the story live. Yeah, I mean you can you could write about it, but you don't have to be a dick. Yeah, don't be so so forceful with it. Yeah, he he has a it's it seems like he's got a real superiority complex happening here. He's taking this personally. He really is, and I just don't know why. Yeah, is he Roland Doe? Whoa, <laughs> you just blew my mind a little. He, I mean, he. You know what? That's. That's what we're going to, we're going to go with that. He is Roland Doe, mm-hmm. and that's why he's taking it so personally. I mean, I feel like Roland was 14 and 
14 or 15 and 65 or whatever that that math matches up i mean mark could be like a like a 70 year old dude yeah absolutely yeah writing this article 60 whatever the fucking math is yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna math no i don't care enough about mark to do that that's right it would be amazing if mark opsonek is actually rolandell i mean because you know what we don't know his name. We don't know his name. Yeah. We don't know anything about him except that he was Lutheran. Yeah. Roland, if you're listening, we're sorry this all happened to you. We no are. matter why it happened to you. Yeah. We're sorry. We are incredibly sorry. Because you know what? There's a myriad of reasons that this could have happened. Number one, mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Is he suffering from mental illness? I, I think probably yes, no matter what. Uh, could this be a trauma response to losing his favorite Aunt Harriet? Again, yes. Yeah. This would fall under the category of mental mental illness. Yeah. So, I feel like that's probably what we're looking at here. Or, uh, demons could be real. <laughs> and he could have actually been possessed. Or he was really possessed. I don't know. That's just, you know what, that's just what we're gonna believe, okay? Because it's spook season. It's spook season, so... I'm going to go all the way there and say that he wasn't just demon-possessed, Satan-possessed. Absolutely. He had the unholy spirit within him. He really did. And, um, you know, he pulled through, though. Yeah, he pulled through, allegedly, and is living a, quote, rather normal life now. I would say so, compared to that. Yeah. I mean, when you have the Dark Lord himself moving within you... Right. Anything without that is going to be rather normal. Yeah. Mundane, one might say. Blissful, probably. Depends. Maybe he liked it. That's true. You never know. You never fucking know. Some some people like to live that that darkness. Maybe, You're right. Maybe he wanted Satan in there. He could have. He could have asked for it. He could have. He did. He did display interest in the Ouija board. This is true. So maybe maybe he asked Satan to enter his body. Yeah. And everybody else freaked out and he was that's why he fought them so hard. This is true. I mean, I enjoyed my Ouija board experiences. Did I ever want the devil inside of me? No. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's just the risk you run. Apparently so. This seems like <laughs> A risk with very little return on investment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, if anyone has any cool Ouija board stories, we would really enjoy hearing them. Yeah. Uh, as you've already heard, I have none. Yeah, email them to us. Yeah, email us your Ouija board stories. That would be cool. What if I told you podcast at gmail.com? Yep. Or any, like, other supernatural stories. Yeah, really anything. It's... Literally this weekend is or Friday is going to be October, right? Yep. Yep. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm super excited. Yes, really excited. We're going to record one of my very favorite stories. Our next recording. Yep. In the episode that's going to come out after this one. We've got to like buy some mums and pumpkins and shit pretty soon. We we yeah we really do. Uh, we're also recording. We're pre-recording. Yeah. Quite a bit. So it'll be already October when this episode comes out. Yes, it will be. So 
We are pre-recording because I will be in Europe for a time. Yep. And we don't want to leave you guys hanging randomly like we did over the summer. <laughs> you know, if we were real, if we were really on top of this shit and we were really pre-recorded and edited, these epi- like we could have fucking 10 episodes scheduled to post at a time. Yeah, we we theoretically could. Yeah. But we are kind of layabouts and are not good at that. We really are. We really are. It's okay though. We're a tad unorganized. But we it's can fine. we continue to produce something though. We do. We we make it happen even if it's the eleventh hour. Yeah. I mean the one that's coming out tomorrow, well, to you it's not tomorrow, but to us right now it is tomorrow. Is is not even edited yet. Yeah. But it's gonna be there because I'm dedicated. That's right. That's exactly right. That's my own fault. I also just figured out how to get Audacity onto my laptop, so. Yeah, Emily recently got a new laptop, mm-hmm. and so it's been a little bit of a learning curve yeah. with getting all set up and everything. So, you know. It is what it is. Technology, am I right? Okay. okay. So, well, that's all we have for you. That's all. Um, I'm starving. I'm also hungry now. It is lunchtime, officially. So, we're going to go find some foods yeah um we want to give a real big shout out to Haley and ariel because they're awesome they are awesome um they're probably not demon possessed i wouldn't think so i wouldn't think so but if they are they're hiding it very well yeah they're still out here creating and contributing to a lot yeah so shout out to them and we also would really like it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. That'd be real cool of you. Real cool. But if not... We understand. We understand. I usually always rate the podcasts that I like, especially smaller ones, but I have never written a, a review. <laughs> I don't do either. <laughs> <laughs> I will if, the, if, I, if I like them. Now, I rate it ours. I've rated ours as well. <laughs> um, if they're like a huge podcast that has like a million rates and reviews, then I'm like, I I don't need to, I don't need to be in there. No, you're getting enough. But a smaller one that I like that I've stumbled across, I will, I will rate them. Well, I'll, anyway, I'll go through my podcast library and rate them all five stars. There you go. Doing the Lord's work out here. So okay, well. Uh, that's all. We've come to the end. So, please be kind to each other out there. And stay weird. Okay, goodbye!